everybody. I'm Jill. And this is Mel. And this is Mel and Jill Geek Out. Hey, Mel. How are you doing today? Good, good. This is uh, Mel and Jill talk with coffee. Yeah. Well, I just finished mine, but... It's the coffee, coffee chat. It's the coffee chat. Coffee chat about Dread to Survive. Which is actually perfect timing because I got something in the mail yesterday that I was very excited about. Oh, is that so? Yes. So I think I said in one of the previous episodes that we've recorded about Drive to Survive that I've become a huge Carlos Sainz fan. Yes. Just, yes, just a did. smidge. Just a smidge. I ordered, he has this phrase that he kind of goes by when he wins a smooth operator. And oh, I've heard it on TikTok. Yes. So I guess you have because I've sent you several. <laughs> But he won a race for Ferrari, and that was the first time he had won it for Ferrari. So he did the smooth operator bit. So I finally pulled the trigger and bought this shirt that I'd had in my Etsy cart forever. And it arrived yesterday, and I was so excited. It looked so good. I loved it. <laughs> it's like a retro type font. Mm-hmm. On the front, it's got, you know, Carlos signs. In it, and then on the back it says smooth operator, but kind of like repeats itself, and it's got the livery on top of it. It's like chef's kiss. There you gorgeous. go. There you go. With that, I guess we'll go ahead and dive right in to part two of season five, which is episodes six through ten. I'll be honest with you guys, this kind of felt like watching the season live. It was kind <laughs> of boring. <laughs> I, I I will say, like, I think coming off of season four and the 2021 season, like, you're just, unless that happens again, you're just not going to have as compelling of a story to tell. You're just not. Yeah. You're just not. Definitely. And I think you can tell because they kind of actually shifted the way they told the story in this season. It was very much like team focused previously, and now we're shifting to driver focus. And it was very much, I don't know if you picked up on this, the episode title for several of them could have been insert driver name here needs to do better or he's going to get dropped from the team. I mean, a smidge. Uh, I think we've touched on Silly Season since our first Drive to Survive episode, but this is the first time that it's really played out in the Netflix show, where they even like mention mention the term Silly Silly Season. season. So I think it was fun to kind of get to see that and like the insanity that can happen. I don't know if it's really that crazy, but... It was, in my opinion, last year it was just kind of all this the way it all came out was really like holy shit and then it wasn't even really all during silly season it was just kind of like a lot of weird headlines rolling across your screen randomly Mm -hmm. you know I think it did kind of give you a good view of it but it didn't even capture it all because we'll get to it at the end but there's something that they allude to that I don't think that they really addressed in the season if I remember specifically I don't know what specifically you're referencing so I don't know well, okay, so episode six is Nice Guys Finish Last, mm-hmm. a.k.a. the Sad Danny episode. Like, this is the climax of Sad Danny. Oh, God. And Mark and I, Mark was watching this with me while I was doing my rewatch and taking notes and stuff. I think part of the reason my note-taking fell apart for this half of the season is because of this episode. Mark and I went down a 
deep dive spiral conversation of Danny and his career and all of this stuff. So I, to the point where I actually wrote down a good chunk of it and I'm going to read it because I thought it was like excellent points. Oprah with the summer break, the Horners are there, the kids are camping. Really the focus, like it just kind of kicks off with Oscar Piastri's tweet. So Mm -hmm. the previous episode, we had ended it with Alpine announcing that Oscar Piastri was going to be their second driver for the 2023. And then this kind of picks up that he basically just said, I, I, I don't have the tweet word for word, but essentially it was like, they put this out without my authorization. I'm not driving for them next year. That to me, when it came, because I saw that on the news when it happened and everyone was like, mm-hmm. what? I was surprised. I was like, why on earth would Alpine have tweeted that if they didn't actually have a contract signed? We talked about this a little bit at the end of the last episode. I think they had a contract. Well, we get into it later. Otmar does think that there is some sort of contract. Uh, Here's my theory on this is that when they signed Oscar from F2 to be a reserve driver for Alpine... And they invested all of that money in him. I think one of the stipulations of the contract was you will run for us for X, like one full F1 season of our choosing, essentially. Like we're going to give you a year to train up, to get prepared, and then we're going to put you in a seat. I think they knew that Vettel was probably going to retire. Mm -hmm. I think that that wasn't a surprise for them. So they really wanted to have Oscar ready and in their back pocket so they didn't have to participate in it. But Oscar didn't give a flying fuck about that clause in his contract and just did whatever he wanted. I'm not sure it was a clause because I I don't think Oscar... I I think it was probably this... I'd be willing to bet that they didn't put themselves on the hook for that. I bet that it was more of like a, hey, we're going to invest in you for a season and we have the intention of putting you in a seat, but there's no guarantee. Because I think that if that had gone poorly, they wouldn't have continued with it. So I think it was like, a, hey, we're going to invest in you and, th- and our intention is to do this. But Which is why he felt like, yeah, peace out, I can leave because it doesn't say that I have to. And we will never know because none of us will ever get to read those contracts. Exactly, exactly. Um, After the tweet comes out, you see Oscar Piastri and Mark Webber talking about it. Mark gave me a little bit of background and it's kind of like a very incestuous circle here because Mark Webber is Oscar's manager, but he is also a former Red Bull driver who is also Australian. Oscar's Australian, Danny's Australian, Mark Webber is Australian. Okay. It's a large country. What Mark pointed out is that Danny took over when Mark left. And I guess they never really got along. And there is speculation that Mark Weber had a hand in having Danny kicked off of McLaren for Oscar Piastri. Drama. Honestly, I think that was 100% Zach. So then we kind of see McLaren hinting at something being announced and then we see the video of Danny announcing his departure from McLaren which was just crushing to watch I don't know Mark says I just am too emotionally invested and it was sad I too I like I get it Danny's not the greatest driver in the world and he probably did need to be replaced but I just the way it went down felt 
gross. And I think that that's why everyone was so about it. Yeah, because wasn't it mid-contract? They cut him loose early. Kind of. It's not like they cut him loose mid-season. It's not like they dropped him mid-season. No, but, but he still had time left on his contract. True. Like he had like another season or something left on his contract. Yes. And they cut him loose anyway. Yes. To pick up an unknown, frankly, F2 driver. He wasn't entirely unknown. They cut Danny for a rookie. Yes. Yes, they did. But that like cutting a driver early on a contract isn't like a year early isn't entirely unheard of. And I'm not saying he didn't deserve it because Danny wasn't doing well. And that's the thing. Mark, I think, kind of was under the impression that I was upset because I felt like Danny was a better driver and blah. That's not it at all. I just didn't like the way that Zach Brown went about it. Watching Danny just from season three where we started to this point. Watching that light just slowly dim, and especially over this season, to me was so fucking sad. I didn't like that. That is what I didn't like. So to me, something was very off at McLaren that just really took a hit. I'm sure it was his performance. That was definitely part of it. But like, it just, he never... It never clicked there. After he left Red Bull, it never clicked. So I agree with you. I I would pull the parallel between how Zach Brown handled the Danny departure to how Gunther handled in season three, both those drivers departing and the vastly different ways that that was handled. But I don't know if you caught this. I didn't put it in my notes because I didn't want to like give it to you if you didn't catch it. But After Danny makes his announcement and they're back at the race, there's like this montage of him talking to people and someone goes up to him and is like, I told you not to trust Brown. Yep. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I think that could Danny have been better in McLaren? Potentially. But I also think he probably got shit equipment. It's possible. I I have theories that Zach Brown intentionally didn't. Like, he wanted Danny because he is popular, but he also wasn't willing to make the car work for Danny. Because Lando was arguably doing better, so that that, that would have been his reasoning. I haven't been a longtime F1 fan, as you all know, but I do know that Danny left Red Bull. To me, this was kind of right, from my understanding, right before Red Bull kind of really started to take off. They had success. Sebastian Vettel was driving for them. Mark Webber was driving for them. But they had just signed on Mac. I think Danny knew he was older at that point. He wasn't going to be able to win a championship with with them bringing on a, a rookie like Max. They were going to shift the focus to Max. So he left to go be the number one driver somewhere else. And it just didn't quite work out. And so then he left again. And then he ended up McLaren. And it's just like every time Mark pointed out, he was like, every time he goes somewhere, he has to start all over again. It's never just been this easy transition for him. And now, like he left Red Bull in 2018 and it's now 2023 and he's found himself back where he started. It's just it wasn't it wasn't great. But anyway, it looks like he was going to cry and the mustache even made it look worse and it was just it was it was the mustache needs to never happen again oh it was such a hard episode to watch for me anyway and the eye like the way mclaren like you said haas handled it so much better than mclaren did and i just you don't have i know haas had been together for a really long time you don't have to be a family to be able to treat people with some respect and i don't think mclaren did we go to the dutch gp 
Otmar visits Zach and tells him that Alpine's thinking about suing. Zach goes to Laurent and offers a driver swap. And then we get more sad Danny. (laughs) So the problem that Danny has is that he's out of his seat. And really the only open seat left is Alpine. And Alpine used to be Renault. And he said, peace out, motherfuckers, to Renault right before they switched to Alpine and when he went to McLaren. So, yeah. It's not... not Yeah, there's a little bit of bad blood. Yeah, a little bit. And then, oh, also... Like, an extra layer to that is that Red Bull and Alpine also don't quite get along. And Danny's got a real good relationship with Red Bull. So Red Bull's pissed off that he left them for Al- for Renault. And it's just a mess. There's nowhere for Danny to go. Anyway, so Alpine has choices. They also, they kind of do a bit of a feature on Pierre Gasly, which we've talked about him before. He is mm-hmm. French, which is a... Big plus. I know that's dumb, but it is because Alpine is basically the French national team. Like there's not Mm -hmm. any, there's like Ferrari is the Italian national team, but that's it. All the other teams are manufacturer owned. Like Red Mm -hmm. Bull, Red Bull is an Austrian or a Dutch team or Austrian or whichever one it is, but they're based out Mm -hmm. in the UK. Like that's where their headquarters are. So it's, yeah, they, it's a whole thing. The fact that Alpine is French and they are the French national team, and they already have Acon, who is a French driver. They've got a now they're going to add another good French driver. Like it's a real plus for Pierre. Um, mm-hmm. Also, I hate his beard. He looks so scruffy. I hate it. He's a beard now. It's like it. Well, what the way it is trimmed, like his. Facial hair. I don't want to say beard, but his facial hair in this era is awful. He looks like a rat. I don't like it. <laughs> he looks much better now. I don't know who's doing it, but it looks much ma- better now. Uh, race day comes at the Dutch GP that nobody cares about, according to Melissa. You also forgot to mention that Zach is going to have to pay out Danny his contract. Okay. So. Part of Zach's motivation to do this driver swap is to potentially save himself like ninety million dollars. I guess I did. You, you're right. I did leave it out, and I'll tell you why. Because they were never going to take Danny. It was never a real option. That was some sky high hopes for fucking Zach Brown. Well, he was still gonna try. This is true. This is true. I just don't buy that they were ever going to take Danny. They weren't. Oh, I think they listened to him long enough to be like, fuck no, I'm not taking Danny. But also, like, they wanted to stick it to Zach Mm -hmm. because Zach is kind of a dick and Otmar was okay with it. That's why he, Otmar went and told him that we're going to sue you for $5 million for poaching Oscar. And then he has to also pay out Danny, which is reportedly about $85 million for his contract. Well, I'll tell you, we'll get there. So okay, yeah, like so, it's a lot of money. Yes, McLaren is going to have to pay out a massive amount of money to do this to make this move. Yes, rightfully so. You deserve it, Brown. Uh, race comes. I'm not going to focus a lot on the racing on these episodes because it's really not the focus of it. So essentially, Gasly does well. He gets P10. He gets some points, which is good. Danny does P17, mm-hmm. and the radio exchange was awful. It was, we'll speak after. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. get into the principal's office. 
A few weeks later, we find out that Gasly signs with Alpine and he's happy to be racing for a French team. Also, apparently, like if you sign with Alpine, like they're based in Paris, so you have to live there. And I guess that's not a very desirable thing for some drivers. Mark put it like this. He was like, would you rather be in London or would you rather be in Paris? And I'm like, I'd be happy in either, so I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, as an American, I don't see the downside exactly. to either. Exactly. Um, I guess, it, I don't know, it goes to one of those, like, oh, who wants to be French things. Like, yeah. They're not very good at winning wars, but, like, aside from that, their food is really good. Oh, the food. The city oh, yes. is pretty, mm-hmm. like... Well, okay, so at the end of the episode, Danny says, fuck them all, good for him. Uh, And you are correct. He does end up having to be paid out by McLaren. I think in the end, it's like his contract was like 15 million. And I think they had to pay him like an extra three or something. So in the end, I want to say he was getting like 18 million. So, which this isn't as funny this season or in the moment in like the current 2023 season, but the beginning of the 2023 season, McLaren was doing really, really badly. And so there were wonderful memes of Danny, like with shades on and like peace signs with the house in the background on fire. And it's like Danny watching McLaren (laughs) go up in flames while being paid $18 million to watch. So It was funny this season. Which brings us to episode seven, Hot Seat. Uh, AKA Checo's seat is not secure. So we've kind of talked about this before, about how being Max's teammate or even being Lewis's teammate has got to be an incredibly difficult position to be in. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess Checo has confided to Horner that being his teammate is a bit of a, a... a head fuck is what he called it or something like that. And yeah, again, I, I I can see how that would be. It's funny watching this episode right now because Checo is in the exact same position that he is in this episode. Checo is going, like I told Mark, I don't think Checo will have a seat at the end of the season. I really don't. Unless he pulls out some phenomenal wins out of his ass the rest of the season, he won't. If he fucks up like he did this last episode or this last race he won't make it the season that's it's worse than what you are seeing on this episode y'all it's bad yeah because this isn't that bad he he had some moments of struggling in in this season but like he wins monaco yeah and i think that the issue was really kind of like they had signed him for one contract and it was kind of like a okay we're gonna see how this goes thing and I think it was it was not necessarily like, oh, you're doing badly. It was more of like, a, you've got to prove that we can deal with you. So, yeah, because they need somebody who can keep up with Matt. Yes. Yeah. Somebody who can consistently score. They need a, they need their version of a bodice. Yes. Yes. Bodice is the best is, is the ideal teammate for somebody like Lewis and Max. So. Anyway, uh, we're in the Monaco air, like race time frame. Um, it again, I'm not going to go into a ton of stuff. I saw. Did you see the Kit Harrington? Kit 
Oh God, I can't talk. Can, Kit, yes, John John Snow was there. Kit Harrington. I didn't recognize him. Mark had to point him out. I'm like, oh my God, there he is. I I did. I was like, why is he there? <laughs> Oh, so it's just my baseline answer. Anytime they show a celeb, I'm like, why are they there? They're like, well, Monica, the races like Monaco and like the really, really big name ones or Miami and now Vegas, they're going to be just stacked with celebrities. It's they're the, the famous races, you know, mm-hmm. but we see a compilation of Checo choking, essentially. Yeah. And then they mentioned Checo's age, and I think I can't remember who it was, but they basically said he was ancient or in the senior. Like I was like, oh, thirty-two, and he's ancient, which makes which is funny to me because like Alonso and Hamilton are so much older than that. But yeah, Checo is interesting. Like sometimes he does great; he pulls it out and does phenomenal, and then other times not so much. Yeah. So, like his qualifying lap. <laughs> yeah. So he puts it into the wall. But the thing with that scene is it fucked Max up is really what happened. And then there there will be a time, and I can't remember if it was this season or if it even gets addressed at all. Max does something to fuck Checo over at one point intentionally because he felt like this was something that Checo had done on purpose. So, Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you spin out on your qualifying lap on purpose and you don't have Carlos Sainz run into you on purpose to create an entire blockage. Cor- I don't think that, that was designed, but I think doing something to cause a flag, which would have prevented Max from being able to put to finish his qualifying lap. So it's petty driver bullshit. But anyway, Max is pissed. Checo's not feeling so hot about everything in the end. Uh, so it's, I believe it's Charles, Carlos, and then Checo, and then Max is behind him. A couple behind them. Because the issue with that race is that if you don't qualify well, you're fucked. Because you cannot mm-hmm. pass, or it's really, really hard to pass. And you gotta gotta hope that cars crash out in front of you so that you can keep... <laughs> get around it uh and and don't worry mick's here for the assist on that because he crashes yes and this was the expensive crash where he ripped the chassis in half so (laughs) oh my god and it was wet like i it's terrifying for me to watch the races when it's raining like that with the the spray coming off is that not terrifying I don't know how they see. I, I don't know how they can do it. I don't either. Driving 200 miles an hour and you can't see anything. It's nuts. So. Yeah. Ferrari does the whole fucked up pit strategy thing where they try to box one and then immediately box the other. They, you know. Yeah. Oh, God. Ferrari did some Ferrari things. Yes. Ferrari doing Ferrari things. But eventually. Uh. Checo wins P1. Yay, Checo. Woo-woo. Good job, Checo. And he gets his contract extension. And then I wrote, I think they're going to regret that this season. So <laughs> I think it's hard coming off of that last race where he held Hamilton for so long. Yeah. Max wins the race. 
then he struggles. Like, he's just not consistent. And no. Red Bull is really hoping for him to be more consistent yes. because they have Max out there 20, 30 seconds ahead of everyone. And they just need somebody in the top five. Yep. Yep. Be in the top five. And he's done so poorly this season. It's He's very... Yeah. Oh, I saw the memes from this last race. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what is happening? Yeah. It's bad. It's bad. What's happening? All right. Now we're going to go to episode eight, Alpha Male, a.k.a. Mm -hmm. Yuki needs to step it up. Which, honestly, I don't really feel like his seat was genuinely in jeopardy for this last season. I think it was just like, okay, Yuki, like, things are changing. You need to step it up. You need to, you know, push yourself. Yeah, I think this was more about Yuki and Pierre being friends and Yuki losing that, like, mentor-type stuff from Pierre. Yeah. And Yuki being expected to have to stand on his own two feet. It's like, hey, we're going to have to bring in another driver. And you're probably going to have to mentor them. So you really have to grow up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't have a comment on that because I just, it's, what ends up happening, it's just funny. So, in okay, in the Japan race, Yuki doesn't do as well as we want him to. He ends up getting P15, which is disappointing in his home race, I'm sure. But I don't think mm-hmm. it really matters because they didn't pan out to show you the crowd. But, like, you could see Yuki essentially getting crushed by people. Like, there were so many fans and he was, like, having to run away. And that doesn't surprise me the way that the fandoms work over in, in Japan. So I, I'm sure he was disappointed. I'm sure everybody would have wanted him to do better. But I don't think they really care. So they also are talking during this time about how Alvatore is hiring a new driver. They're replacing mm-hmm. Pierre with Nick DeVries, who is, and they're talking about a strong driver. He came in during the 22 season as a reserve driver for Alex Albon when he was out six. Sick. He earned points on this quote debut, right? Uh, and he got P9 which is kind of unheard of for a rookie or someone first time out on an F1 race. And then he pops up on the screen and talks about how he's going to bring some maturity and really like pointedly to the press talks about how Yuki is not somebody he would take advice from and how he thinks he's going to be the team leader. And I just thought it was really arrogant of him to talk about Yuki that way. And then Will Buxton comes on and talks about how Nick is the quote real deal. And I, this is, this was my big thing from this episode was, and I wrote in capital letters, you will eat your words, Will Buxton. This ages so poorly, y'all. Nick DeVries was a joke, an absolute joke. That, oh my God, it was awful. Awful. He didn't make it the season. I can't wait to watch that in season six. Oh, yeah. He didn't make it the season. I it, I don't know if I should give it away. 
Don't give it away. Okay. Jeez. For those listeners who are actively watching F1, you already know what happens. For those who are only indulging in Drive to Survive, we don't want to do spoilers. Okay. I'm going to put a spoiler alert on this. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I will say. But it, they, they're all going to eat their words. <laughs> yeah. I got a really weird vibe from him when he came in and sat down. Like, um, I was like... I know that Yuki comes off very youthful, mildly immature, kind of goofy, but like he's still an F1 driver. Yeah. And he's, he kind of does know what he's doing. Yeah. Like he's not a bad driver. I wish he was a little more consistent, a little less crashy, but I think he's a good driver. I think he has the potential to be good. And I liked him and Pierre's friends because I think Pierre's mm-hmm. a good driver. I think he kind of got screwed a little bit i think red bull mm-hmm. yanked the cord too early for him and i think if they had given him a little bit longer he could be up there with yeah with those drivers so i i think pierre is who they actually needed as a as a teammate for max maybe because Pierre is he may not be as good about like team orders and things like that but I feel like Pierre is a more consistent driver yeah because that's why Alpine picked him up is Mm -hmm. because he was super freaking consistent with AlphaTauri yes yes so um this brings us to Austin which I know Melissa is excited about we get to see Coda (laughs) P.S. I drive by it every day I know I told Mark I said that you were we were chatting about it and you're like, I'm going to have to find a different way to drive to work during this time period, aren't I? Like, yes, you are. <laughs> yeah. So we get to see the cowboys and the barbecue. Um, and I feel a little bit. All of these things are true. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I asked Mark, I was like, what is, what does the rest of the world think of this? And he's like, it's like the Super Bowl. It's like a weird spectacle. <laughs> Because it is. Like, nobody else does that stuff, I feel like. Anyway. um, Race day, Yuki starts P19. Um, Max gets a good start, gets spun, blah, 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 blah. Eventually, uh, Yuki, I don't even, I don't think I wrote what he ended up. He gained five places and Yuki did better. He ends at P10. He scores some points. That's right. I don't know why I left that off. Yes. I, guys, I took that note. You're welcome, everyone. Y'all, I told Melissa this when I was doing these notes. I was like, this should be a Mel and Jill After Dark episode. And she was like, maybe. And I was like, well, it's definitely a Jill After Dark episode because my notes are all <laughs> over the place. <laughs> so, yeah, he got P10 and he earned points, which was good. That's what he needed. So, mm-hmm. um Happy for you. There was a lot of stuff that happened at the Austin GP. Like Russell got hit and he spun Carlos Sainz. And then Alonzo and Stroll both wrecked. There was a lot. Yes. There was a lot that happened wreck wise at that race. This is true. This is true. I just felt like it, the way the episodes were structured, to me, it was very much like this wasn't the focus of the episodes like it has been. So I just kind of skimmed over it. So. I, I just took notes as I watched. See, that's what I usually do. But in my head, I was like, this is not, we're not focused on this. So, uh, okay. Episode nine, 
Over the Limit. Over the Limit. Um, we open with Max's birthday. Um, Happy birthday, Max. Yes. And then we see, you know, some compilations of Max winning a lot. But really, this ap- this episode was about the cost cap drama. Mm-hmm. That is what... Cost cap. Yeah, that's really what this was all about. None of the racing matters. It's all about cost no. cap. So, in Singapore, Buxton talks about the cost cap. And essentially, in an effort to make the competition more fair so that one team can't just outspend everybody else, they've instituted a cost cap, meaning they can't spend over a certain amount. And it turns out, and 2021 was the first season that this had been introduced, okay? So it turns out that Red Bull went over. Now, the initial reports did not say how much they went over. So a lot of them are talking about how, like, oh, this gives them a competitive advantage, and this is cheating, and this is unfair, and blah, 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 blah. Lots of chicken squabbling, okay? They don't get much more detail. They just kind of go on about how, oh, they may have done, they may have gone over the cost cap. They may have gone over the cost cap. Mm-hmm. So then we jump to Japan, and they're talking about how, oh, if Max wins, then that the headlines will be Max is the world championship because at this point, if he wins in Japan, he's the world champion. This is well before mm-hmm. the season's actually over. But he said if they don't win, then it's going to be about how Red Bull went over the cost cap. Again, nasty rain. It's terrifying. And even the drivers are like, I can't see anything. I can't see a thing. I, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. It's scary. Very scary to me. Yeah. Max is fine, though, because he's way out in front of everyone else. Yes. Yeah, he's fine. He can see. He's fine. And he wins. So he's the 2022 world champion. Yay, Max. Good job, Max. And then Horner gets the call that they did actually break the cost cap. And it turns out to be $400,000 on catering, which percentage-wise is literally 0.6% of the budget. And... According to some articles, it was really came down to a tax account error. Like, they didn't account for tax correctly when it came to catering. That's what this was about. It was catering. Okay? This is... That's a really expensive bread and eggs. Yes. And coffee it is. for everyone. But this is the part that pisses me off. Is like, everyone is making this out to be like this is some amazing what no yeah, I, I don't know if I'm sure the mic picked it up but the dog was scratching and her stupid collar was jingling yes she's like fuck you mom I came in here and now I can't leave and I regret it <sighs> she fuck what was I saying you're talking about how everyone is assuming that this four hundred four hundred thousand dollars is somehow like hidden money from for the cars, and I'm like, these cars cost millions of dollars. Four hundred thousand dollars is like the tire budget for a race. It's not. I like. I bet it's not. I bet it doesn't even cover all the tires for that race because you got to include shipping. I mean, it's uh, it's so stupid to me. Do I get like? Uh, were they the only team to accidentally break? The cost cap, yes. 
Was it by a lot? Is $400,000 a lot of money? Yes. In, is $400,000 a lot of money comparatively speaking to how much they were allowed to spend? No. It is 0. 0.6. 0.6%, y'all. It's stupid. And I get it. They broke the rules. They deserve a penalty. And we find out later what it is after the Austin GP. It's $7 million fine for $400,000 overspend. That is not an equitable punishment, in my opinion. It was a lot of money, but I think they did that to shut everyone else oh, up. Oh, yeah, they did. I don't think it was about, like, the severity in which... Because, like, it was an accounting error. Yeah. Like, it's, in actuality, not that big of a deal. And it's not like they didn't pay. Yeah. For for the taxes, they were on the up and up. They paid for it, but I think FIA just needed to have some drama, mm -hmm. so they gave them that big ass thing, and they needed the Zach Browns of the world to shut the fuck up. Yeah, yeah, agreed. It was. So, I wrote in my note, Zach, fuck you. Like, <laughs> oh. Okay, can we talk about this letter that Zach wrote, this uh, public uh, letter accusing Horner and Red Bull of cheating and that they needed the toughest punishment possible? That That is – that exactly. That is why I was like, you're acting like they spent $6 million on car development. It was $400,000 in taxes, motherfucker. Come on. That did not yeah. give them a competitive advantage. What, no. Did they break the rules? Yes. Do they deserve a punishment? Yes. But not the absolute public flogging that they took and Zach absolutely reading them the riot act publicly like that. It was just inappropriate and not needed. Also, Zach needs to just chill the fuck out. He's not competing with Red Bull. No. Let's be honest. No. McLaren is not in the same league as Red Bull. No. He wants to be, though. And he's – because not only will they get a $7 million penalty, I'm pretty sure they also got some um, wind tunnel time testing penalty. Maybe not. I could just be, like, overthinking that. But they're already getting the least amount of wind tunnel time as it is. So I think he's just hoping to fuck it up for them even more so that they can be better. Um, that backfired. Yeah, it did. But yeah, yeah, it did. <laughs> so <laughs> we're in Austin. Also, this is the episode where it comes out that um, I cannot say this man's last name. I I just wrote the co-founder of Red Bull Racing. Yes, I, I can say his first. I also cannot pronounce his name correctly. I can say the first name Dietrich, but the last name I don't want to mispronounce it. So Dietrich, the Red Bull co-founder, passed away, and I was a little surprised. Horner kind of looked actually a little emotional and was like he was trying to hold it back a bit. I, I didn't, I could see Helmut because he's older and he was, you know, there, but I, I was a little surprised Horner was so emotional, but it's sad. It was sad for everybody. Yeah. I think, you know, Red Bull has, since it came into motorsports has had a really big presence mm -hmm. And, you know, Diedrich and Helmut are big parts of that. They were the reason why they entered motorsports. And I can, you know, he's the reason why, like, Horner has a job. Yeah. You know, like, 
this is a this is an important thing. And he, you know, he goes up to Max. He's like, we got to win it today. Yeah. We got to do well today. And for Dietrich. If I'm being honest with you, though, I don't know if Dietrich. He must not have been nearly as problematic as Helmut is because I never heard his name. But Helmut Marco is always in the fucking news and cannot keep his mouth shut. That man is problematic. <laughs> She's got like tiny fingers, like just a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> so, oh my goodness. Well, anyway, so Max wins. Austin GP. Yay, Max. Mm-hmm. Yay, Red Boop Bull. Woohoo. So now not Good only job. is Max the world champion, but Red Bull has won the Constructors Cup for the first time in eight years. So yay. Yay. Good job. Yeah. Which leads us to episode 10, End of the Road, which is Abu Dhabi. Um, Mm -hmm. And this is a little bit about the race, but it's kind of just like a quick wrap up of the season a bit, you know, because we already know Mm -hmm. who won at this point. We know who's. Yeah. Who's Max and Red Bull. Max and Red Bull. They win everything. Yes. So Abu Dhabi, Ferrari, their strategy is in desperate need of improvement. Danny's walking around taking essentially goodbye pictures with everybody, which is. And then the race starts. Ferrari and Mercedes are battling for second at this point. McLaren is battling someone for Alpine. Alpine for fourth. Alonso has to retire the car, which sucks, but Alpine could still finish ahead of McLaren. Ocon passes Danny. So they do. Uh, Lewis has issues shifting. Carlos passes Lewis and Ferrari gets into second and they get the construct second in the constructors cup and Mercedes gets third. Um, it's essentially Max Charles. I, I don't remember who got P3. No one cares about the race. Essentially Ferrari gets second in the constructors cup. Mercedes gets third and then Alpine gets fourth, meaning Mercedes or uh, McLaren gets fifth. fifth. Yes. Now, also, so, I do want to note. Gasly's all excited because he's moving to the fourth best team in F1. Yes. I do want to say Danny finished P9, so he got points. Yay, Danny. On his last Go race. Go, Danny. So then we get, actually, right after that race, we get a compilation of, of Danny throughout Drive to Survive seasons. <laughs> I wrote compilation of Danny being a goober. Oh my god, I love him. <laughs> I love him. He's so funny. I also liked the line point. I don't know if you call it. He was like, Netflix is a bunch of cunts. And was- <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know, and I know that that is like a, a, a big no-no word in a lot of countries. That is not in Australia, not, in not Australia. in the UK. Nope, it is not. Well, in the UK, it is still kind of that way. Mark just says it more because he used to work with a, a lot of Australians in the military. So it's a little, yeah. But that is that is an Australian, like, I don't know, equivalent to bitch, I guess. It's like not a big mm-hmm. deal there. But Danny's got some fucking great one-liners, man. So... Um, at the end of it, we see it's kind of like a sneak peek ish. So you see Vegas, right? Mm-hmm. 
Vettel retired in the 2022 season. So they don't, they kind of talk about it, but like they don't give Vettel a goodbye episode or anything. So he, they talk to him about like being gone from F1 and he does not make a comeback in 2023. Just I'm telling you all that now. So I have a feeling I know what they're chatting to him about, but it's not in racing. Um, And then out with the old, we see Mick because he doesn't have a seat. And I don't know if they talked about this or not, but Bonotto gets fired from Ferrari. I mean, after he fucked up the second half of that season, I am not surprised. It is through sheer dumb luck that they came in second in the Constructors' Cup. So I, Mark and I chatted about this, and I'm not going to go into a long-ass thing about it because it's it's a long discussion. There, it, The theory is, is that it's not actually Bonotto was the problem. Ferrari doesn't want to let internal staff go, and they are the ones actually making the calls, and Bonotto is the ones like putting it out on the radio. So, But they wouldn't let... Bonotto make those changes. So they kicked him out. And now this new guy's come in and there's kind of having the same problems, but I guess he's having more success in getting rid of those older employees who need to go at this point. That's the mm. theory anyway. We'll see. Theory? Yeah. So Mick's gone, but he's... Bonotto's not my favorite. He's so not mine either. Yeah, I don't care so much. Um, we saw the new Alfa Romeo team principal, which genuinely I can't remember that man's name. He's funny, though. <laughs> and then uh, we see Kimi Raikkonen is back with Haas, and we see the whole, like, suck my balls thing between him and Kevin, which I can't wait. Because um, we didn't really see a lot of them on the news. So I like the Drive to Survive stuff. I can see the behind-the-scenes bit. So I can't wait to see them interact behind the scenes because it seems to go better than it did last time. Well, I think both of them have matured a little bit Mm -hmm. from last time. Mm -hmm. And then we also see a few new faces that we haven't seen before. Technically we see Oscar Piastri who, yes, we have seen his face, but he will be on the grid officially. He's not a reserve driver. Nick DeVries. (laughs) Gross. And then Logan Sargent, um, which no one probably listening to the podcast has heard about. He is actually an American F1 driver. He is with Williams for the 2023 season. And that is all I'm going to say about that. So, I mean, I don't think you could have thought up a more American name than Logan Sargent. No kidding. No kidding. It's like... I feel like it's like naming him John Smith. Like, how, what's the most American-sounding name? It did. It, Logan Sargent. It sounded like a like a Ken doll. For a, yes. For I'm a, like, is this G.I. Joe's, like, buddy, like, yes. battle buddy? Logan, Logan Sargent. Sargent. Yes. It very much felt that way to me. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I need him to join the military and only get to the rank of Sergeant, Sergeant so Sergeant. he can be Sergeant Sergeant. <laughs> He's from Miami, if I like the Miami. Area. I don't care. But um, yeah, there is. So he's crazy, in other words. He's a Florida man. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I guess so. We'll see. I, he did a lot. He did most of his racing overseas. So we'll see. I don't know. Maybe he is a Florida man. I don't know. But yeah, so that is season five of Drive to Survive. 
It wasn't as exciting as no. season four. I will say that. But I'm still having fun. Good. I, and to be fair, the season, the 22 season wasn't as good as the 21 season. It's really hard to top that when you're, it's literally down to the last race. That's so hard to top when you've got a season like that. But so we're currently airing season 2023. So we'll finish up yeah. here in the next couple of months. And then we'll have 2024, 2025. Now, in 2026, everything's going to change. So, again, they are the rules change again with the cars. So, Mark and I were talking about this is like there is a, there are like what Vettel described as eras of racing based on the car. So, it's really rare to find a driver who can do well in both like in two eras of cars. So right now we're in the like kind of hybrid era, but things are going to change in a couple of years. So it's like, are they all still going to be the same? Is it always going to be Red Bull dominating or are we going to see Williams at the top of the pack again? It just, you never really know with the car resets. So it, it could be literally any team. Yes. So you just never know. I'm very excited. I, I hope the rest of the, the 23 season is good. And I am glad you're enjoying this because I think it's fun. And I hope our, our listeners are enjoying it as well because I really would like to do season six, which will come out in February of 2024, February-ish. Mm-hmm. So, um, which is right around when the 2024 F1 season begins as well. So we yeah. we will pick this back up um, here in the next few months with Drive to Survive. But until then, I guess just throw the uh, episodes on repeat. <laughs> <laughs> or listen to our new stuff that's going to come out. Yes, that too. Well, I meant I actually meant Drive to Survive. a whole bunch of stuff between now and then. I meant Drive to Survive episodes, but (laughs) yes. Continue to listen to our podcast and listen to our episodes. We've got lots of stuff coming up. Um, We've got some more of the Sarah J. Mass universe coming. Um, Or the Sarah J. Mass universe at all. Oh, we haven't put out any of them? No. None of it. None of it. It'll be a premiering this week, actually. Oh, my goodness. Oh. I didn't realize we had Or, like, the next week. Okay. I didn't realize we hadn't put out all that stuff yet, but... Um, no, not yet. It's wow. just sitting in my computer. Well, you guys, you're in for a treat. This was actually some of the first mm-hmm. stuff we recorded, so it should be this fun. This is the first... This is the thing that made us want to have a podcast. It is. I, like, this and VPR are the, why we wanted to start a podcast, because I read the books, and I was like, I have to talk about this. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. <laughs> I need somebody to read these with me. Mm-hmm. And so I volunteered Jealous Tribute. Hell yeah, girl. Hell yeah. I got you hooked, though. You did. You did. I got you hooked. Anyways, well, thank you everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed Drive to Survive along with us. If you want to check out all of the new things that are coming up on the podcast, make sure to go follow us over on Instagram at Mel and Jill Geek Out. Or if you have a suggestion of what we should geek out about next, you can always shoot us an email over at Jill and Mel Geek Out at gmail.com. Or you can just, you know, shoot us a DM on the gram. That's also acceptable. 
And again, my name is Melissa. I'm Jill. And this has been Mel and Jill Geek Out. Bye. Bye, guys. I'm going to enjoy my coffee. Have a good day. <laughs> yeah.